0: Welcome to The Art of Range, a podcast focused on rangelands and the people who manage them. I'm your host, Tip Hudson, Range and Livestock Specialist with Washington State University Extension. The goal of this podcast is education and conservation through conversation. Find us online at artofrange.com. Welcome back to The Art of Range. We are continuing our series on ranch financial health today. Uh, with Megan Schroyer. She's the president of AgWest Farm Credit in Montana, and she's a rancher in central Montana, and she understands the importance of economic viability in ranching better than most people. Megan, welcome.
1: Good morning. It's good to be here.
0: Well, I I think I've mentioned a couple times before in other discussions we've had about key performance indicators and ways of measuring ranch financial performance that uh, there's a term called benchmarking that I think, and I'm not an economist, I think benchmarking refers to the practice of comparing uh, various performance metrics for an individual business to um, aggregate data, comparing yourself to other similar agricultural businesses in your region or in your uh, demographic. And, you know, I, I one of the things that Stan Beaver has talked about was the importance of comparing yourself to yourself. And and that's a good way to improve. But there's also some value in comparing yourself to other similar operations just to see if there's various aspects of the operation where you're way different. uh, And that could be an area of improvement. But because of uh, the nature of the data, it's difficult to get a hold of. And in fact, when I talked with Stan Beaver about whether or not he could talk about benchmarking, he said that it's been some time since he collected it and was aware of a few universities that at one time collected a fair bit of data, uh, but that also people that collect the data, because it takes so much work to get it, tend to use it as you know one of the selling points for their program or their consulting business, uh, because because it's information that they uh, went through quite a bit of effort to obtain. Uh, so talk, I, I think I still have only a really limited understanding of, of what benchmarking is. And so uh, why don't we start by uh, you telling us a bit of your background. How did you come to be uh, essentially a a financial advisor for agricultural businesses from a ranching background? And then we'll get around to benchmarking.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, first off, thanks, Tip. I really appreciate the opportunity to be a part of the podcast. Uh, When you first reached out, about potentially being in the conversation, I started listening. You're in my downloads now, so I'm all hooked. So appreciate being here. A little bit about me, like you mentioned, Megan Troyer. I've worked for Eggwest from Credit the last 26 years and in various different kinds of roles across the state of Montana. I was a relationship manager where I worked directly with a customer portfolio of customers. And currently I'm, um, as you mentioned, the state president. And as you also mentioned, my husband and I also own and operate our family ranch, which is irrigated hay and cow calf operation in central Montana. So I do understand the struggles of keeping an operation going through all the cycles. And um, I just really appreciate the opportunity to talk about benchmarking because I do think it is a very important tool to help make better decisions.
0: Montana's a pretty big place. Remind me again <laughs> where uh, where your operation is.
1: So central Montana, we're in a little town called White Sulphur Springs, Montana. So we're about 80 miles north of Bozeman. A lot of people know where Bozeman is lately.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, it's a beautiful part of the country. And your family's been there f- for some time, I understand.
1: Yes, uh, we actually just this year celebrated our 150 years So my family is really good at keeping things, and apparently I have a talent for doing the paperwork side of it. So we did all the research, and so I'm fifth generation um, on on the place, and hopefully my kids will be sixth generation.
0: Oh, congratulations! That's good to hear. That's not easy to hold together. Uh, We've done in Washington State and other in part of the Northwest. We've done some. uh, A colleague of mine has done quite a few workshops using. The ties to the land succession planning uh, methodology. And you find out pretty quick that it's pretty often money that causes uh, one of these multi-generational uh, large operations to eventually fall apart and get sold off in pieces. Uh, it's it's thrilling to hear of people that are able to make it work and continue.
1: It's tricky. It's There's a lot of conversations and a lot of decisions made and Honestly, with the family, there truly is a lot of care and compassion. Uh, I was lucky. My, my brother's a doctor and my sister's a nurse, so, uh, and then I wanted to be the rancher, so it worked out.
0: Well, when I think about benchmarking, uh, one of the things that makes me wonder about its usefulness is that my impression is that cow-calf operations in particular and in most of the Western U.S. are quite a bit different from each other. And maybe this is a misperception, but, you know, if you're a wheat farmer running on 15,000 acres in central North Dakota, your operation may not look a whole lot different than your neighbor who's running on 17,000 acres of wheat in central North Dakota. And I apologize to any North Dakota wheat farmers (laughs) who take (laughs) offense at that uh, caricature, but... Uh, But at least in my part of Washington state, I feel like there's a lot of difference in operation size, in, uh, you know, grazing resources, in uh, the type of operation in terms of how much is cow-calf, how much is yearlings, how much is selling breeding animals. Uh, I I feel like there's not a lot of, I, I, I would be hard pressed to find two operations that look a lot like each other. And so it seems like that would make it challenging to find benchmarking data where you could compare this operation to that operation or this operation, your operation to, you know, 15 others that were similar. Uh, So uh, let's jump in on benchmarking. You know, first we keep using that term or I keep using that term. What is benchmarking and uh, am I even describing it correctly?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right, Tip. So I I would describe it, first of all, saying that benchmark's a pretty powerful tool and How we use it is it really allows our customers, as you mentioned, to compare their performance of their ranch against data that we have from other successful producers. So it's important, uh, just as you mentioned, that the industry peer group that we select is somewhat or close in comparison to the customer's operation. And that can be a little bit of the art in the data for sure. Our database consists of other customers that we work with. So it's real, it's actual information, and then we average that. So by um, using an average, all that information is strictly confidential. Um, But I also love that it's, you know, real and actual, and it's very pertinent uh, information for our customers to use to just to kind of see or compare where they're at. So when I present this to a customer, I put it in front of a customer, this data can really help them. Um, and I keep using the word customer or others that are interested. Um, mostly we're working, you know, one-on-one with our customers, but it can really help them, or the value of benchmarking, it re- really can help them maybe in areas where they, they can see maybe where they want to make some tweaks or changes or where it'll be obvious where they want to make some overall improvements to their performance of the operation. Maybe that's in cost control or maybe they have these aha moments around you know newfound efficiencies. I, I also think it's right away people go directly to the weaknesses or uh, things that they don't think that they're doing very well at. But I also think it's important to also celebrate the strengths of the operation so they can use this data as they compare to other operations uh, to show where they're real strong against the peer averages and that maybe that they can lean on um, in cases down the road. But the main value that I would say our customers get out of benchmarking is that it can help our customers be real specific or direct their management efforts towards you know, specific items that really can make their operation more profitable or more successful. And as they say, time is money. This evaluation can really make you more aware quickly.
0: That's a great introduction. And speaking of introductions, this is what I get for not having extensive interview notes this morning. (laughs) I'm making maybe a colossal assumption that most listeners know what AgWest Farm Credit is. Uh, Do I understand correctly that AgWest Farm Credit is what was previously Farm Credit Services? And as somebody, again, who's not an economist and and has not uh, been a customer of Farm Credit, uh, I think of of farm credit services as having been primarily an agricultural lender, uh, so uh, here's a here's a chance for you to plug Agwest Farm Credit. What, because I really don't know. What all does Agwest Farm Credit do or offer uh, to farmers and ranchers?
1: Exactly. So uh, we we're just excited. We did go uh, through a merger with a, another farm credit services this year. We were Northwest Farm Credit, or I worked for Northwest Farm Credit. And as a January one, now we're excited to be Egg West Farm Credit. But we're still, uh, we, we're still have the same mission and purpose and same people, uh, just a different name. So I appreciate that. We are a cooperative who, and I do think that that's a, Uh, A point that I want to stress. When I first probably started with farm credit, I didn't really appreciate the value of cooperative. I was right out of college, right out of Bozeman, and didn't understand that value. And now I look back and I truly believe that's a significant value that we offer as we're a cooperative who solely focuses on agriculture. That is all we do. That's all we focus on. So we specialize in financing and insuring those farmers and ranchers and agribusinesses. Uh, when When we talk about our lending products, that probably includes our real estate financing. We do intermediate term loans and lines of credit. And one of, one of the things that our customers really like that we offer is competitive fixed rate options. So we can lock rates in for a longer period of time. And so a lot of times that's um, leading our conversation. Uh, that's the first thing that customers are asking about. But we also have home loans, lot loans, all-in-one construction loans. So we do help if you want to live in the country also. And then a lot of times the accountants are talking to our customers and sending them in because they want to look at some leasing programs. So we do that. So that's all on the lending side. Uh, that's where I first started. And then I actually uh, did some time over on the insurance side. I did, I did both. Now we have them completely separate. So we also offer, we have a, a team of experts. That's all they do uh, day in and day out is focus on insurance. And uh, that team offers our multi-parallel insurance or what we call federal crop insurance. Uh, they do hail, uh, revenue protection, uh, dairy risk, livestock risk. They even have some range forage insurance that they offer. The one thing our customers perk up at is we, uh, they love our GPS mapping services. you got to love a map. Uh, so they really appreciate uh, that service that we offer as well. And, and I should mention, uh, some, some may know what a co-op is, some may not. But as a co-op, the nice thing that I alluded to at the beginning of this is that Egg West's profits are returned to our customer owners so this is the fun part. We can offer a competitive rate up front, and then uh, we get to send them the, the um, patronage dividends at the end of the year of a job well done. So I think that can re- you know significantly reduce our borrower's costs, and I love that, ap- uh, love that about my job.
0: Got it. And, and what is the geographic region covered by AgWest Farm Credit so, at this point? Uh,
1: yes. Yeah, so we're in Washington, Idaho, Oregon, Montana, Alaska parts of California, and Arizona. We like to call it the West.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Is there a different company, a different version of farm credit that operates in the Southwest?
1: Oh, yes. So uh, the farm credit system is nationwide. We're just one association that covers that territory.
0: Got it. Well, back to benchmarking. What are some examples of uh, performance metrics in farm finance that are useful to look at? Uh, in, In the stuff that we've already talked about, uh, with previous um, podcast guests like Stan Beavers and um, some folks that that do ranch consulting, you know, I'm thinking of they're they're talking about operational performance indicators like pounds weaned per exposed female, or you know, revenue per breeding female, or um, but other things that are that are a little more financially related. Those things obviously tie to, uh, to, to money because they have a cost, but other things that are more obviously financial like operating expense as a percent of total revenue. What are some of the benchmark metrics, uh, that, that you have that are useful for folks to look at?
1: Yes. And so the list can go on and on. Uh, we do have some priority ones that we look at, of course, and I've listened to some of your previous podcasts, and I know um, they've talked about bankers, uh, quote unquote. Um, so yes, <laughs> I, I am one of those, and I did not take offense at all, but bankers always love to look at a balance sheet and uh, an earnings statement, and I know it's uh, more to running a ranch than that, but those statements really help us look from like a liquidity perspective. So working capital, I do think, is key um, and actually king. Uh, we So when you look at liquidity, we're looking at the actual num- the actual dollar amount and the current ratio uh, to, to compare. We also look at solvency numbers and that can be either um, you know, debt to asset or um, an equity ratio. But we also want to look at debt coverage ratios. Those are very important uh, debt service ratios so essentially you're looking at the financial efficiency of an operation um, we also I know on previous podcasts you've described ROA and ROE we like to look at those over time so those are some main uh, financial ratios that we look at but we also look at and we get probably more into the on the AUM side when we specifically look at the cattle and the benchmarking um, and I know we sell pounds uh, but it's just one way uh, to look at it. And I actually listened where you were mm-hmm. describing all the different ways to look at it, but we look at it on an AUM basis. And As so a that
0: unit could, of comparison.
1: Correct. Yep. Yeah. And, and so we could look at that, you know, operating expenses per AU, you know, farm income per AU, mm-hmm. um, feed costs. We can actually get specific on looking at just, you know, hay. so maybe that's an area that our customer wants to focus on. And so we can look at feed costs, you um, you know, Veterinary costs, labor. Labor is a big one. Um, and look at that. Uh, but really, you know, I, I love to watch how our customers are, how they're holding liquidity, how they're using liquidity, uh, how they're growing, how they're, how they're making decisions in their projections to use. Are they set up to have the right liquidity in their growth? So I know there's a whole list there that you can look at, and um, it, it really is no limit. It really depends on what that customer is trying to focus on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes me wonder, can you characterize the ranchers who typically work with farm credit? Or I can imagine that there's not any typical operation necessarily, but it's, <laughs> does it, does it tend to be operations that are in trouble or operations that are trying to expand or people that are new to the business? Cause I know there's some people that, you know, they've got enough, uh, working capital that, uh, they don't run lines of credit to buy hay for the winter. And, uh, they're in pretty good shape. They've got, you know, somebody who's part of the team, whether it's, uh, you know, a the owner operators, or somebody that they work with that kind of has a handle on things, and they're in pretty good shape, and they don't have to go look for help uh, and i'm I'm not trying to say that help is uh, like a cry for help. <laughs> These are you know useful risk tools that are used by I think businesses of all sizes. but yeah, is there any way to characterize people who tend to work with farm credit?
1: A uh, great question. We're here to help. I love that word that you just used help. We're here to help. Uh, everyone in agriculture. So that is um, small operations all the way to the vertically integrated, extremely large businesses and everything in between. Uh, those customers, just like you said, that's the fun part of my job is you can have two cu- two customers that are right next to each other side by side with similar resources, but all different types of uh, challenges or strengths or Um, management. And so every, every operation is different. And so whether they're looking Mm -hmm. at needing help um, with the year on an operating line to get, so they can grow a product and then sell it and then pay the line off and whatever's left over is what we love to say is profit. Uh, So we help a lot of customers with their lines of credit, but maybe uh, they have enough liquidity that they're self-funded and they just need some help to, expand and buy some more real estate. Um, we we have a program that is near and dear to our heart, one that we focus on, and that's our young, beginning, and small producers. And we have a specific program, it's called Egg Vision. And that is really set up to help those customers with the specific challenges that they usually see probably when they're starting up. And so whether that's uh, helping them with uh, reduced interest rates and reduced costs and additional one-on-one time to do things like benchmarking. Uh, They also are eligible for programs like RateWise, which is one that I love. And uh, it's a win-win. So if our customers go out and they do any kind of education, they just have to log the education and they bank credits. And then later on, those credits can be saved up to then be brought into uh, when they do their new loan or their new line of credit, they can actually reduce their Um, their overall interest rates. So that particular group uh, is, you know, all all of us here, or a lot of us here at Ag West, um, well, all of us have a true passion for agriculture and a lot of us grew up in ag. So we have this direct tie. And so helping those young beginning and small producers is um, just tugs on our heart a little. So we really appreciate the opportunity to have some of those programs where we can really help them.
0: Yeah, you must have been reading my mind because I I didn't send this question to you. But while we were talking earlier, I typed a note to myself. Do you have low interest loans or access to federal programs that are for beginning farmers and ranchers? Because somebody just asked me this a couple of days ago and I said, uh, I'm not sure what's out there, but I feel like I've heard of a lot of stuff that is available now for beginning farmers and ranchers that I think wasn't there, say, 20 years ago. Uh, and uh, in, in a variety of ways. I'm pretty optimistic about the future of farming and ranching. I um, mean, at the big picture scale, we have to have food. And so I suspect that there will always be farmers. But I also feel like the barriers to entry for beginning farmers and ranchers are lower now than they have been in the past. And I'm not sure if I'm accurate in my perception of that uh, or if that's just a reflection of uh, demographics you know, where I live, where it looks like there are an increasing number of young farmers and ranchers. Uh, So you partly answered that question already about the Ag Vision program. Uh, But I am curious, I think it'd be worthwhile to say a little bit more about uh, what resources are out there for folks that are trying to start up. Because historically, you know, if you have to buy land and buy a herd of cattle, you know, somebody go find me $3 million to to get going. Uh, Yeah, Say a little bit more about, about what's out there and, and your impressions, maybe, of of what the landscape looks like right now for people that are trying to get into farming and ranching, which I think is really cool.
1: Well, I'm exactly like you, Tip. I'm super excited about the future of agriculture and uh, the new generation uh, that are popping up in this particular industry. There is a lot of passion and a lot of interest. And there is a lot of nuance, actually, uh, some of the, the technology that's out there or the farming practices are really drawing uh, people's attention. So I have always been excited about that. I, I also believe in the people that decide to get into the business of growing our food. I think they're the most amazing people out there and I believe you are mm-hmm. who you hang with. And that's why I wanted to continue to hang with those farmers, but it, it is tough. It's extremely difficult if you are uh, brand new and all of a sudden you wake up in the morning and you decide you want to be a farmer. Um, but there's uh, different programs. There's different um, opportunities out there. You know, you got to start out small. Um, we actually mm-hmm. uh, just now this year offered a brand new grant program. It's called the New Producer Grant and is actually still open uh, where you can go onto our website and apply for $15,000 grant. To get started, um, it's a little help, and that might be able to, you know, reduce your line of credit or be able to. The cattle prices are now a little crazy, so I don't know how many cows you can buy with that. But um, yeah. it it all it all helps. What we do is hmm. we like to again uh, sit down, collect those financials uh, that lenders usually collect, and go over options and understand what the risk is. But this Egg Vision program that I talked about is opened to uh, higher amounts of risk, knowing that the capital situation for a brand new customer is going to be the weakest, but they probably have an amazing plan as far as the earning side goes and the projection and the hard work and the ethics and the management and the risk mitigation. And maybe they have other networks or uh, teams of people around them that can help as far as a lease situation or using equipment We also Mm -hmm. work with FSA on guaranteeing our loans, which allows us to, as a co op, I'm always looking out for our owners and making sure that I'm making good decisions around the risk that we put on our books. And uh, helping and working with our um, FSA offices allows me to put some more risk on the books, but reduce the risk uh, with that guarantee. And so that's helpful. And then again, we're always looking for ways to try to reduce those interest rates, um, reduce the fees and the cost um, and spend time one-on-one with those uh, brand new young beginning and small farmers to hopefully give them the best information to make the best decisions. because when the risk is high that way, it just and it feels like this lately, there's very little room, it feels like for making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we try to help is try to avoid, those mistakes. Um, Cause it just feels like they can, those mistakes, those, those decisions kind of linger um, more than they used to.
0: Right. An agriculture, a financial mistake is often large in magnitude. Yes. Uh, well, Kathy Bartels, who's with Ag West Farm Credit out of Oregon mentioned that, that you guys also have uh, sort of some comprehensive farm planning resources. We've talked a little bit about that, but uh, say more about Somebody who's just wanting to do kind of a whole farm evaluation, you know, what ought we to be doing? Is that something that's offered everywhere? And how many takers do you have for that kind of planning? And maybe another question is, you know, what is that? If somebody does not end up using a loan, uh, which is a mechanism to to pay you, you know, with AgWest, you know, what's the, by what mechanisms do you guys get paid?
1: Um, great question. Uh, most of the time, I feel that we're offering these services for existing customers. But as I mentioned before, mm. if there's someone listening to this podcast and they 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 want us to take a look, they want to bring in their books um, and share that with us. We would love to do that and offer, you know any kind of feedback that we can give them as far as uh, you know, against the benchmarking. And mm-hmm. help them make decisions, but I would say for the most part, it's customers that we already have some sort of relationship with. I think uh, the important part of that is these. This does take time, you know, completing a balance sheet or taxes and looking at a projection and bringing mm-hmm. them in and sitting down with us. That does take time, and so it's a commitment from the producer to say, you know, this is valuable for me, and I want to invest. That time. And we are, we, we love to do that. The the best part of our job is going out and sitting uh, at the kitchen table or being in the tractor with our customer and really seeing the operation. Right. Because the most important part of this is really that one on one assistance that, the, that our teens here at Egg West, you know, love to do. And like you mentioned, every operation is completely different. And so every conversation, every goal that our customer um, looks at, it, it's not going to be the same as their neighbor's goal. So as far as how we get paid, um, we're paid, uh, when you come in and, uh, do a loan with us, um, mm-hmm. if you're a customer. And so we're going to try to do our hardest to, to win you over, to win your, you know, heart and mind, um, that says that you're going to be the next customer of Agwest.
0: Right. Well, we've talked about the the diversity in customers. You've got people that are brand new to the business that maybe want to buy animals. And then you've got somebody who owns uh, tens of thousands of acres, maybe hundreds of thousands of acres, and they're using a line of credit because they want to use their working capital to invest in the stock market instead of buying hay. And so they use a line of credit to buy hay and, and everything in between with operation sizes, operation types. Um, but uh, give me an example, maybe a hypothetical situation with uh, an example of, um, operation where they're not quite sure what they're looking for and they're wanting to know if they, if they need to make some changes in the operation, whether they should be managing their money differently and maybe use a line of credit to even if they don't need one. Uh, and like in, I'd love this question because every th- nearly everything in the diverse world of rangeland ecology is, well, it depends. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, the expertise is to know what does it depend on? And if then, if this answer, you know, then, then what? Uh, So that's a whole lot of question, but uh, can you throw out just a hypothetical example of a, of a customer and, and the different directions you could go depending on how they answer these questions?
1: Yes, sure. So uh, one that comes to mind, for example, is when a customer is looking at their liquidity and say we're looking at their current ratio, which is current assets over current liabilities. And maybe maybe uh, that customer has just been through three years of drought, which is a real thing up here in Montana. Uh, this year, we have been very blessed, but uh, the last three years have been pretty tough. So maybe that customer has been through several years of drought or even uh, a tougher uh, looking cattle market. Maybe we're in the other side of the the cycle. And so when a customer looks at their financials, a great ratio um, for you in in their mind might be anything above one, right? Because that means a break-even and you can basically just cover your short-term debt. And that customer may feel really good about this because the previous ratio was less than one. So uh, their attitude towards a one or anything above one is great. And so uh, when you use the benchmarks, you're putting that operation and comparing it against the average or other peers uh, that are similar. Again, that's the art of this, is that a similar and maybe a similar location. What we do is we typically look at operations that have a a similar number of cattle, if it a production, it can be similar operation. Um, Say it's a cow-calf operation, so we look at similar number of head. Uh, We also look at the percent of cattle income to the whole gross income and try to keep that similar. We also try to find similarities maybe in in geography. So we work really hard to try to uh, create some similar comparison. But maybe when you compare your operation where you have a current ratio of one, maybe you look at that and your peers are 1.75 to one. Well, then you can decide what is my goal. Um, maybe your goal is a two to one uh, current ratio because you know you want to expand in the next three years, or you just want to build in resiliency due to this ever changing, you know, volatility in our markets. Um, maybe you look at this and you um, maybe you came in at one and a half, and you actually think um, that you. Are setting yourself up where you want to use some of those assets in a more productive way because higher in you know, a current ratio is not always better. I know I sleep at night knowing that, but higher is not always better. To some producers, higher is good, but too high might make some of our customers feel that their assets are not really properly being creating enough of that revenue. So maybe they need to put more of their working capital to work. So just off of one ratio, uh, there is a lot of depends answers. So. Uh, like anything, it depends on the customer's goals, and um, you know, comparing that operation, what does successful mean to them, and how? And then, then you step in as someone that's looked at several of these and asks the question: Now, what actions can we put into play to help our customers reach our goal?
0: Got it. Uh, well, I'm impressed, uh, and <laughs> and I I feel good about having sent somebody your way, so to speak, the other day when they asked about. Uh, loans for beginning farmers, uh, I thought the best thing they could probably do was try to get a hold of their local AgWest farm credit agent. Uh, and maybe that's the next question is, what's the quickest way for a listener to find the closest AgWest office if they aren't already uh, a customer and don't uh, have have just heard about these programs?
1: Well, we're all over online. Uh, we actually have a beautiful website out there at agwest.com fc.com. So eggwest, F is in c is in credit.com. And all of our resources are out there. We actually have, and there's maps out there to find your the local office nearest you, but we also have a lot of educational resources out there um, where you can find when we're going to have our next uh, podcast or our next seminar. We have um, knowledge industry um, information that we actually have employees across the whole association who have a very strong passion for a certain industry. And we actually have a cattle industry team, for example, and we have a wine industry team and a small grains team and a dairy team. So on the cattle team, they meet regularly and learn and talk about all things cattle and they're just obsessed with it. And so uh, that deep knowledge, that true you know, it just builds a unique perspective of the cattle industry. And so our employees love working on them, but our customers really love the knowledge sharing and the deliverables that are available. All those deliverables are out there online as well. Um, so it's a great way. You can actually go on there, I believe, and search subscribe and you can subscribe to that different information uh, that's coming out from those different industries. The, the other thing that's out there as well on our website is, is opportunities for rural community grants. And this is a real front program. This is some of our stewardship that we do in our rural communities. It's up to $5,000 and it's very, very simple to fill out. And you just go on our website and you look up rural community grants. And um, it takes less than a half hour to to fill out and attach some information. But it can go to any uh, nonprofit that is working on any project for a rural community. So also know that's out there uh, and that's all on our website.
0: Great. Now somebody uh, sent me to the education and resources uh, webpage a little while back on preparing financial statements. And uh, yeah, it's, it's impressive. There's a lot of information there and we will put a link to uh, probably some of those separately in the show notes.
1: Oh, wonderful. Another fun one that everybody uh, gets a kick out of is the weather. So we work with Eric Snodgrass and he does uh, these weather insights. And so I have never, I've, I've always been frustrated with the weather, (laughs) (laughs) but I have learned so much from Eric Snodgrass on just the dynamics of weather and what to look at. And so that is a video that he does and it's pretty amazing. So I would, I would tell you that one's a fun one to listen to.
0: I will look that up. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited to see it. The weather never gets old.
1: It never gets old and we're always talking about it.
0: Well, Megan, thank you for your time. Uh, This was really informative for me and I think it will be useful to quite a few of the folks that are listening, uh, especially those that are trying to get started uh, because it can feel it can be pretty daunting to try to figure out how to get started in a business that has requires seems to require a lot of capital to get going. Uh, but there's some pretty smart folks that have good ideas and I think they can make a go of it. You just have to get off the ground. Uh, And this is, seems to be uh, a pretty impressive resource to help folks do that.
1: Well, all we want is our producers to be the best they can be. Everyone at Egg West just has passion around the industry and passion for the people. And You know, as I mentioned, some of the best people work in this industry and we just want to help them thrive in all aspects of the business. And I really appreciate the opportunity. This is my first podcast tip. So I appreciate and um, I appreciate the information you share and the passion. I share that same passion for the industry and their success. So thank you so much. The information you gathered. I know I have you downloaded. I'm listening to you in my car. So thanks again for the conversation.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Art of Range podcast. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.